In Wood v. Alcasey, 2023, ARC App 179, the Arkansas Court of Appeals, in partially affirming and otherwise dismissing for lack of jurisdiction, considered a factually complex, multi-party case arising from promissory notes, default judgments, a lack of appellate jurisdiction on some points, and an absence of preservation on others. This review will highlight the issues and leave factual details for a reading of this 36-page opinion. Judge Murphy wrote, quote, This is a contract case in which the circuit court entered default judgments against the appellants John Wood, Hollywood, John's wife, and Terra Capital LLC on cross-claims filed by Luther Alcasey, Appley Latimer Alcasey's father and predecessor in interest. After a hearing on damages, the circuit court awarded Latimer a judgment in the amount of $747,424.35. The circuit court also awarded a judgment of foreclosure in favor of Appley Dawnhill Townhouse and Condominium Property Owners Association, Inc., or Dawnhill POA which had intervened in the lawsuit to collect unpaid assessment fees from Terra Capital on a condominium unit that it acquired in the contract with Luther. The appellants now appeal the order striking the Woods' answer to Latimer's cross-claims, the judgment awarding damages to Latimer, and the judgment of foreclosure. They claim that the circuit court erred when it granted Luther's motion to substitute Latimer as the plaintiff on the cross-complaint. Additionally, the Woods appear to assert that the default judgment against them should be set aside because the allegations in the cross-complaint do not support Latimer's claims of breach of contract and fraud. The appellants also challenge the sufficiency of the evidence supporting the judgment awarding money damages to Latimer, which they concede is not a final judgment, and Terra Capital urges reversal of the judgment of foreclosure in favor of Don Hill POA. We affirm in part and dismiss in part. The appellants now raise five issues on appeal. As we view their arguments, they assert that 1. The default judgment against the Woods and the judgment awarding damages to Latimer should be reversed because Luther and Latimer fail to comply with the notice requirements of Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 25A and C, before the circuit court entered its order substituting Latimer as a plaintiff on the cross-complaint and third-party complaint. Two, the circuit court erred by granting a default judgment against the Woods because the factual allegation in the complaint also did not support Latimer's claims for breach of contract or fraud. Three, the judgment awarding damages and attorney's fees to Latimer is not supported by sufficient evidence. Four, the circuit court erred by denying their motion for certification under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 54B, and 5. Insufficient evidence supports the foreclosure decree in favor of the POA. End of quote. The majority opinion upheld the interlocutory appeal from the default judgment allowed under Arkansas Rule of Appellate Procedure Civil 2A4 yet it also noted procedural problems in failing to list an order in the Notice of Appeal and a preservation issue because of a failure to make an argument below. Default Judgment Quote, 
the Woods first assert that the default judgment entered against them should be set aside because the allegations in the complaint were insufficient to establish their liability for breach of contract or fraud. The Woods also suggest that the circuit court erroneously entered the default judgment because the factual allegations in the complaint failed to establish that they breached their promise to take on the indebtedness and ownership of the note with David. They claim that David's lawsuit against them, in which he claims they defaulted on the $100,000 loan, is evidence that they fulfilled their promise to take on that debt. Finally, the Woods argue that the circuit court erred to the extent it granted a default judgment on the basis of fraud. They say that the factual allegations in the cross-complaint failed to establish their alleged misrepresentation that they would take on the indebtedness and ownership of the note with David, or even so, that Luther or Latimer justifiably relied on that statement. We have jurisdiction to hear these arguments under Arkansas Rule of Appellate Procedure Civil 2A4, which allows an appeal to be taken from an order that strikes out an answer, and Arnold and Arnold v. Williams, 315 Arc 632, in which the Supreme Court held that appellate jurisdiction under Rule 2A4 extends to all the issues dependent upon the stricken answer, including default judgments. Having said that, we must decline to reach the merits of the Woods' challenges to the sufficiency of the allegations in the complaint for another reason, because they failed to raise them in a motion to set aside the default judgment under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 55C. While it is indeed erroneous to render a default judgment on a complaint that fails to state facts sufficient to state a cause of action, that argument, like other grounds to set aside a default judgment, must be raised below. The Woods did not move to set aside the default judgment or challenge the sufficiency of the allegations in the complaint at the hearing on Latimer's motion for discovery sanctions. Consequently, they are not preserved for our review. Further, to the extent the Woods argue that Latimer failed to introduce sufficient evidence to establish their liability for breach of contract or fraud, we do not view that argument as cognizable here. While the default judgment established their liability on those claims, there was no indication that the circuit court considered any evidence or made any factual findings that would transform the default judgment to one on the merits. Therefore, for all of these reasons, we cannot agree that the circuit court erred when it entered the default judgment against the Woods. Challenge to other damages and attorney's fees with neither a final order nor a Rule 54B designation. The Woods and Terra Capital next argue that the circuit court did not have sufficient evidence to support the damages and attorney's fees that it awarded. Regarding lost profits, they contend that the evidence did not support the circuit court's finding that John earned a net income of $14,600 a month or the circuit court's alleged assumption that the Don Hill property was profitable when the appellants took it over. They also contend that the circuit court's calculation of damages was erroneous in other respects, including the circuit court's failure to consider factors reducing the rental income they earned from the condominiums as well as their expenses. Regarding the damages awarded on the Woods' breach of their agreement to pay David Woods' note, the Woods claimed that the circuit court erred by relying on a calculation of outstanding principal and interest that was not supported by the evidence. Finally, the appellants argue that all of these errors, 
which they say demonstrate that Latimer was not a prevailing party under Arkansas Code Annotated 1622-308, led to an erroneous award of attorney's fees. We must dismiss these claims because the judgment awarding damages to Latimer is not a final order. The question of whether an order is final and appealable is jurisdictional, and this court is obligated to consider the issue on its own even if the parties do not raise it. The requirement that an order must be final and appealable is observed to avoid piecemeal litigation. An order is final if it dismisses the parties, discharges them from the action, or concludes their rights to the subject matter in controversy. An order is not final, therefore, when it adjudicates fewer than all the claims or rights and liabilities of fewer than all the parties. Here, there is no judgment adjudicating the claims that originated the lawsuit. David Wood's claims alleging default on the promissory note that the Woods executed. There is also no order dismissing the Benton County Collector or the Commissioner of State Lands, who Latimer also named as third-party defendants. And the record does not reflect that the Circuit Court has appointed a receiver or imposed a constructive trust, as Latimer also requested in the cross and third-party complaint. The Circuit Court did not certify a final judgment, moreover, under Rule 54B. Accordingly, we do not have jurisdiction to review the appellant's arguments challenging the sufficiency of the evidence supporting the judgment awarding damages to Latimer or, for that matter, the associated award of attorney's fees. End of quote. Denial of a Certification Under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 54B The Court of Appeals rejected arguments over the trial court's refusal to grant a Rule 54B certification because this is not subject to challenge on appeal. Quote, We have already observed that the denial of certification under Rule 54B is not within itself appealable. Curtin v. Stout, 2020, ARC App 14 Accordingly, we decline to review the Circuit Court's denial of a Rule 54B certificate. End of quote. Substitution Order The appellants argued the trial court erred in granting party substitution, but the order was not listed in the Notice of Appeal, so it was not preserved. Quote, While we recognize that Arkansas Rule of Appellate Procedure Civil 2B provides that an appeal from any final order also brings up for review any intermediate order involving the merits and necessarily affects the judgment, we cannot view the substitution order as an intermediate order that is automatically brought up for our review. An order striking an answer is not a final judgment that would trigger application of Rule 2B. See Allen v. Greenland, 347, Art 465. And for reasons that we have already explained supra, the judgment awarding damages to Latimer also does not constitute a final order. Accordingly, we cannot reach the merits of the appellant's challenge to the circuit court's order substituting Latimer as the plaintiff on the cross and third-party complaint. Sufficiency of Evidence for Foreclosure With John Wood's testimony in mind, as well as other evidence demonstrating that the development was for condominium townhouses, we cannot say that the circuit court's judgment of foreclosure was clearly against the preponderance of the evidence. We therefore affirm the judgment of foreclosure. End of quote. A dissent written by Judge Barrett and joined in by Judge Hickson 
added that the Chapter 13 bankruptcy court stayed litigation in this case in part to allow opportunity to prove the debt in state court. The dissenters reasoned appellate review should also be allowed and would have considered the entire case on its merits on appeal. Quote, the majority dismissed Appellant Wood's challenges to the sufficiency of the evidence supporting the damages awarded against him to Appley Latimer Alcasey on the basis of its conclusion that the judgment awarding these damages was not a final order. Because I believe the trial court's award of damages to Alcasey was a final order from which John Wood may appeal, I respectfully dissent. There are multiple parties to this litigation with complaints, cross-claims, counterclaims, and third-party claims. On January 25, 2019, appellate John Wood filed for Chapter 13 bankruptcy protection, and on the same day, the bankruptcy court entered an automatic stay of certain collection and other actions against the debtor and the debtor's property. The case at bar is clearly a collection action against John Wood and John Wood's property and was therefore subject to the stay. Accordingly, three days later, on January 28, 2019, the circuit court entered an order removing the case from the pending docket and ordered that this matter is closed until the bankruptcy matter of John Wood is resolved and a motion to reopen is filed by any party. In order to do so, the bankruptcy court maintained jurisdiction over David's promissory note complaint, but it transferred Al Casey's claims against John to circuit court for disposition through a partial lift of the automatic stay it had imposed on the circuit court litigation. To that end, on August 27, 2019, the United States Bankruptcy Court lifted the automatic stay in the Chapter 13 bankruptcy filed by John by consent of John and Al Casey to allow the parties to resume the litigation pending before the Honorable Doug Scrantz in the Circuit Court of Benton County, Arkansas, for the purpose of obtaining a determination of the amount of the debt that the debtor owes Al Casey. Due to the fact that certain collection and other actions against the debtor and the debtor's property were stayed, and due to the restrictive language of the bankruptcy order lifting the stay, I believe that the jurisdiction of the circuit court was conclusively and categorically limited to the issue of determining the amount of debt that John owes to Al Casey and that John remained protected from any other action by the circuit court to assess damages by other claimants by virtue of the stay under the bankruptcy proceeding. The whole idea behind a bankruptcy stay is to maintain the status quo of the debtor vis-a-vis -vis creditors during bankruptcy so as to prohibit various creditors from racing to the courthouse and obtaining judgments, and therefore judgment liens, to the detriment of other similarly positioned creditors. I find that all orders of the circuit court herein that are not specifically related to the debt that John owes to Al Casey are void because they emanate from claims independent of the limited jurisdiction granted by the bankruptcy court, and I further find that the order of damages against John in favor of Al Casey is final for the purposes of appeal and should be reviewed by this court. End of quote. End of decision.